in the parking lot in the church in the in the cars here are a few honks out there so uh, I, I want to start off by saying thank you to uh, the elders um, for giving me an opportunity to speak right it's really humbling for uh, to be asked to present to the church in this forum pretty much sight unseen right um, and, uh, never doing this before for the congregation so uh, I'm humbled by the opportunity and really prayed hard throughout this to, for God to help me with the message that will resonate and help this family. And it's, it's funny how God works. Um, one, Calvin needs some time away, right? Went to a conference earlier this week. Um, but uh, as fate would have it, he and his family are now dealing with COVID. So um, uh, great timing. And then I told uh, Rob and Calvin this yesterday. Um, the men's uh, meeting yesterday was fantastic. We got the opportunity to meet with uh, a lot of men from the Kaiser uh, and Circle churches in the area um, and talked about uh, a variety of different topics. Uh, and I will say, for those of you that didn't hear me say it yesterday, I did write this sermon before last night. So, um, uh, But a lot of what we're going to be talking about today uh, were a lot of things that we talked about yesterday as well. Uh, and it certainly is something that uh, impacts me and my house, and so I hope it does the same uh, to you, and that it will bring you closer to God throughout that. So uh, before I begin in the main topic, uh, if you'll give me just a minute, I want to talk to you about some of the activities around missions um, that uh, I'll be working on uh, over the next year. So in, in speaking with the elders and where we want to go as a congregation, um, a major area of opportunity and uh, focus for us is how can we deepen our commitment and support both this year and beyond in the, term, in, the, in the field of missions, right? Reaching out to those that need Christ in their life. Um, and your support of expanding the deacons to add additional help in this area is really tremendous, and uh, my family is excited to get to work uh, in this area. Uh, I uh, Several of you uh, heard a presentation from James Mead recently, who works for Eastern European Missions. Uh, and I've gotten to know James over the last six months. And I can tell you, he is a man on fire for the Lord, who's dedicated his life to uh, reaching out and to teaching those, not just through Eastern European Missions, but through what he does every day um, up in Portland, reaching out to the lost. Um, and that is just one of many opportunities that we have as a congregation uh, to support missions um, around the world and to continue to expand our reach and God's message to those that are lost. Uh, as we continue to build that approach and that program, I'm going to need help. And so to accomplish that, um, I'm going to be asking and forming a committee, uh, looking for five to six people to help with that work to talk about where we're at today, where we want to go in the future, and how we best use our resources, time, energy, and finances to do that. Um, so if you're interested in that, if that's something that you're passionate about, please reach out to me, grab me after services, call me, email me. Uh, I'll say, I don't have it all figured out. We've put some frameworks together, um, but uh, we really uh, are gonna uh, hit the ground running and talk about how we can take what we've currently been doing 
um, and expand that. So uh, uh, as we do that, if you're not interested in being on that committee, that's fine, right? What we'd ask for you is to continue to pray for missions, pray for us, pray for the congregation as we expand that, and importantly, pray for our missionaries, right? Those that we know and those that we don't know that are spreading God's word around the world. So uh, if you will now, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this blessed day that you have given us, the opportunity to gather as a family to study your word. Dear Lord, I pray that as we go throughout the rest of this uh, time together, that the words will not be mine, but they will be yours. That uh, our, uh, this family will be lifted up, that the message that you bring to us will bring us peace and hope, that you will help us to leave here today edified and ready to serve you uh, in uh, a better way tomorrow than we did today. Dear Lord, we pray now for all of those men and women around the world that are working for you, whether it be here in this country um, uh, as evangelists or uh, campus ministers like Jonathan, Mackenzie, and Kirk. Dear Lord, we pray that you will help those individuals to continue to light the fire that you have given them and that you will allow them to be supported by us through, through any means that we can, that we will continue to pray for them, and that the discouragement uh, of the world will not get them down as they continue throughout that, those efforts. We ask that as we go forward as this congregation that we can find a way to continue to support missions around Eugene, around the state of Oregon, the Pacific Northwest, and around the world, that we will do so humbly, smartly, and with the, the best, best impact um, toward, your, toward your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, now on to the main topic. I've titled this sermon, State of Mind. Where do you live? How often do you stop and think about where you're at from a mental perspective? And what's driving that mindset? If you're like me, it's certainly not enough. And before we know it, our mindset and our mental state can spiral out of control and put us into a place that's not good for us. It takes on many names, like exhausted, frustrated, complacent, stressed, worried, and in severe situations, depressed. So before I go on, I think it really important to note uh, that while I'm going to talk about mental health in a broad sense, uh, this is no way in suggesting that all mental situations are the same, or that there are scripture and faith-based ways alone that we can overcome those things. There are opportunities and places where professional medical help are needed. And if you're in that spot or you have been in the past, this is not to say change course and 
do something different. But I hope that today's conversation and today's study will help you along your path, that you can uh, use this as an extra tool that will help you as you deal with that problem. And there are many ways that God provides us peace and hope, and our medical community and the medical advancements are certainly one of those. So I'm going to say one thing, one word, COVID. How does that make you feel? Where does it take you mentally? I'm willing to bet that most of you, just like me, have a myriad of different thoughts that are running through your brain right now. Rightly so. We've been through a lot. Our lives and worlds have changed, and it will carry on today and into the future. It bridges our entire world and probably has consumed more conversations in our daily lives than any one of us would care to admit. In fact, yesterday in the men's meeting, it was the primary topic of conversation. How did COVID impact our congregations? What did we see during that? Where are we going in the future? What are the blessings that we may not have understood as we've gone through this situation? And what can we learn as we move forward? But that's just one thing that competes for our time. There are all sorts of different topics that do similar things and compete for our mental energy. I had a recent conversation with a good friend back in Kansas relaying to me his thought process as he drove home from watching his daughter play soccer. He was triggered at a moment by a news report on the radio. And it shocked him to realize that he had an underlying level of anxiety that was always present with him. It turned him into a man that he didn't want to be. It brought upon things in his life that he didn't want to see. How many times have you been in that position? Whether it's through the pandemic or politics, work, raising a family, our relationship with our spouse, There are all sorts of different places where we can have underlying anxiety, and I know that I'm in the same position a lot as well. So I want to spend time talking about that in three main areas. I know it's a little cliche, right? Three-point topic, but hey, I don't do this every day, so. So I'm going to talk about three different states of mind. Anxiety, fear, And finally, hope and peace. I would suggest that we all experience these states and move between them rather frequently, depending upon where we're at and what we're experiencing. And a lot of times, where we're at in our relationship to God. Uh, Turn with me to Numbers chapter 13, uh, uh, starting in verse 26. Here in Numbers, we see the story of Moses sending out the 12 spies to the land of Canaan. 
the promise that God gave his people as he rescued them from Egypt. Think about it for a moment. These are people that have witnessed God's power to overcome their struggles, their strife, and their physical ailments. They watched the ten plagues. They were there when the Red Sea was parted and walked across on dry land. They saw Mount Sinai and the deliverance of the Ten Commandments and God's presence on that mountain. They saw his wrath and his uh, judgment on those who fell away, who who chose to go in different directions than his will. These are people that know God, know what he's capable of, and he promised them that he would deliver them into the land of Canaan. In chapter 13, verse 26, we see three different states of mind of the people that were there. First, we see Caleb and Joshua, the champions of this, of this group of twelve. Men who went and saw the same thing that all the other spies went to see. And they came back with the message of, let's go. God is here. We can do this. Caleb says in verse 30, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But there were ten other men. They also saw the Canaanites. They saw the land, and they had a very different mental state. In verse 31, the men said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. These men were fearful. The men in Canaan were too big, too powerful. They didn't see how they could overcome it. So they chose in that moment to run in the opposite direction. And they let their state of mind not just impact them, but then look in chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, what it did to the people who didn't go to the land of Canaan. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, "'If only we had died in Egypt.'" Or in this desert? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. See, these people were caught in the anxiety of the future. So, what is anxiety? Isn't it just another word for fear? Well, yes and no. So I heard it described in a training video once at work in the following way, and I thought it was a great way to describe the difference. Imagine you are preparing to go out for a hike. You get out of the car, you're ready to go, and before you step into the woods, I look at you and say, you know, There's a big bear in those woods. You can spend all day in the woods, never see the bear come out a nervous wreck. 
That's anxiety. The things I can't see. What's going to happen? Fear is completely different. I'm on the hike. I see the bear. I'm out. Right? I now have an opportunity to react to what is in front of me. While it's a simple analogy, I think it's important to understand that from a mental perspective, anxiety can be way worse. I'm sure I, many of you have experienced it. We saw it in our own life, in our, in our uh, family. When a friend of ours struggled deeply with anxiety in her life, it didn't just result in a bad mental state. It had physical problems for her. And it took months and lots of energy from her friends, her family, and the medical community to overcome it. It can be absolutely debilitating. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, it says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. What do you allow to weigh you down? We all do. This world is full of things that take over our thoughts. The big ones I struggle with, politics, health, work, family, and you can add any number of other areas. Have you heard anyone say, if only things were like they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. We say that all the time. Why do we ask that? Are we asking that because we're just like the Israelites? And we want to go to back to a place where, we're, where we were calling on God to save us, to bring us forward into a better place, but because we know it, we want to go back there. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own. Think about that for a minute. How freeing is it to think about dealing with what's in front of us right now Versus trying to control what might come in the next day, week, month, or year. See, every day brings its own trouble. And every day that we spend, every moment we spend thinking about how we can control that future is a moment that we're not focused on Jesus and what he's doing for us. See, the author in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 says... What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, there is something new? When we fully embrace that truth and that understanding, it begins to remove the anxiety from our lives. And it puts us in a place where we can trust that God has things in control 
and that where we are going in the future will be good for us. See, we have a different place. We have a different understanding. I'll share with you for a moment. I had a conversation with a colleague at work just a few weeks ago. It was, as most of you would imagine, around the topic of COVID, where it was the start of the new Omicron surge. And he was just asking me, as the person at work who talks with the people who develop the policy more frequently, when was this going to end? When are things going to change? How is it going to get there? And why are we still in the place we're at? See, anxiety has a grip on people. We talk about it in terms of fear, fear of death, fear of leaving this world. As Christians, we have a different hope. We have the opportunity to present that to people and that the battle has already been won. When I shared that with him, he said, why isn't that message being shouted from the mountaintops? Think about that. I have no idea his walk and or his faith with Christ. But I know for that moment, he heard a different message. There is hope. So when we transition from anxiety, let's talk about fear. They're related, but slightly different. When we're faced with fear, we have one of two options. We can either act in the face of what we know to be true, or we can decide not to act. Let's look at two different types of fear that I see in the Bible. When I was studying for this, I just looked up how many times the word fear is used in the Bible. I saw it referenced up to 365 times is fear utilized in Scripture. So that's one fear for every day. Right? The most common use of the word fear is, in Pro- is what we see in Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. You can probably all think of other places where the fear of the Lord is used or highlighted, like in the stories of Abraham and Job, just to name a few. But we also see a different type of fear. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, after Adam and Eve, right, had eaten of the fruit, it says, But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 12, it says that David was afraid of God that day. After watching God act upon what he told them would, would happen, right? When somebody touched the Ark of the Covenant. So how is this different than anxiety? And I would argue a better place to be. See, the primary difference is we have an understanding of what's going to happen. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Why were Adam and David physically afraid of God at those moments? Because they knew and witnessed that God's way works. And he says, he does what he says he's going to do. When we live in fear, we have two, two choices. We can either submit to the knowledge we have received, or we don't. Adam hid because he knew what God had commanded, and he already knew what was coming. He had to respond. God's nature makes it impossible for him not to respond or to deliver upon what he's told us. Adam wasn't anxious about the future. He already knew what the future held. We see this as parents all the time. How many times have you seen a child who's done something wrong? What is worse for them? Waiting to be found out? Or, to be found, or for whatever has happened to become knowledge and the understanding of what is going to occur from that point forward? See, our kids show us this. When they know what's in front of them, they no longer worry about what's, what's coming. Once we accept the truth and acknowledge what the outcome is going to be, we may be afraid, but our hearts are free to accept and move forward. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see a list of great actions of faith, such as Abraham, Isaac, Job, Joseph, and Moses. I'm confident in saying all these are examples of God-fearing people that use their knowledge to respond to that fear of the Lord and ultimately transitioned to the last state of mind I would like to talk about. That state of hope and peace. We already talked that the fear of the Lord elicits a response through our knowledge of the truth of God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. We saw in Matthew that Jesus told us to focus on today. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, we see God's promise to us. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Do you accept that? Are you ready to fully realize that truth of God's care for you? When we lose sight of his care for us, those outside things weigh on us, and we slip back into those places of anxiety and fear where we can spiral quickly and focus more on what's to come versus what's in front of us. I'm sure, like me, it's easy for you to look back at the times where you had done that. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 95, verse 19, just does that. It says, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. See, as humans, we're flawed. And we're easily taken to places in our minds where we can end up in place of despair. What the psalm tells us here is that while we're in that place of anxiety, God's consolation is there for joy and to bring us out of it. 
It's through the acceptance of God, God's care for us that will lift us up and bring us joy and peace. I could spend many minutes pointing to all the different scriptures that talk about casting our fears upon the Lord. But as I wrap up today, Rob, you can come on up. Again, just want to thank the elders for, that opportunity, for the opportunity. And as I mentioned in the beginning, if you're in a place where you need professional help from a, for a mental issue, please don't take this message the wrong way. Scripture tells us that God is here, and he's bigger to overcome anything that's in our lives, and that we have access to his peace and hope. The mechanisms of how he accomplishes that in our lives certainly involve study and prayer and understanding and asking for that. But he also provides us other ways. And sometimes that's through our medical community. See, I, I chose this topic today because it really spoke to me. I've watched as my loved ones have struggled throughout the last two years. I've struggled myself. I've been caught in conversations of anxiety and fear of where things are going to go in the future versus focusing on the now of how can I find that peace? How can I have joy in the moment? And how can I work for the Lord better today than I did yesterday? See, tomorrow is tomorrow. I have control over today. Paul tells us that death is the victory. And that doesn't diminish the fact that COVID and health are real things that are in our world. It has horrible and terrible impacts. We've all been attached to it. We will all continue to be attached to death and to loss. That's a guarantee. The question for you is, are you letting that slip you into a state of mind that takes you further from God and further away from that hope and from that peace that he offers you? If you have any need today for the prayers of this congregation, for the elders, right? I invite you to come forward. We're here as a family to not just meet together to learn and to study, but to lift each other up in those times of struggle. Right? Whether that's coming forward now during our invitation or meeting with the elders on the side, let us know how we can help. Let us know how we can pray for you, how we can help you overcome the anxieties and the fears that might be present in your life. If you're ready, if you know where you want to go and you want to put your Lord on in baptism, right? we offer this as an opportunity to do that today as well. Thank you again for allowing me to do this. I pray for you each and every day. And I invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.
All right.